back to GEMS with Genesis Amaris Kemp. With me today is Cecilia M. White, also known as Cece. A little bit about Cece. She's an educator, humanitarian, and entrepreneur. She is also the founder of C3 Consultants, LLC, which offers tutorial, advocating, and educational services. Cece has a passion and a gift that enables her to positively impact the lives of young people. But without further ado, let me welcome Cece to the stage so she can share a little bit more about who she is and what she has going on in her wheelhouse. Welcome, Cece. Hi, I'm Cecilia, um, better known as Cece White, and I am a special education teacher. And I have been teaching special education for over 10 years. I recently um, have elevated into being a special education director or administrator of special education in my school building. So I oversee all of the special education teachers as well as manage and make sure that everything is going well um, concerning special education in the school. So one of the um, things that I also do on the weekends is I work with kids with special needs at a church on Sundays. And that's something that I really love and enjoy doing. And I've also worked with adults with special needs um, in some group homes prior to becoming a special education teacher. So uh, individuals with special needs has always kind of been one of my passionate things since I was like a teenager. And today we're going to be chatting about special education, really understanding what special education is, the need to advocate for special education, and special education as an overall whole, because sometimes people who have special education and special needs, they are treated differently than someone without. And we want to make sure those individuals feel valuable, they're seen, as well as being heard. Because at the end of the day, we're all on this planet for a reason and to serve a purpose. So Cecilia, what made you get involved in special education? You said you've been in the field for a while, but was it something that you saw when you were growing up that just led you down this path? Yes. So my mom, she was a foster parent to adults with special needs. And um, the first um, adult she had was a deaf and hard of hearing. And so at the age of nine, I learned to speak sign language uh, to communicate with that adult. And then um, she got more adults in as I was a teenager. And then she kept them all the way up until like my adult life. And so that was something I was just like always willing to help. I was going to the meetings, um, always kind of, you know, communicating with them. And then I, as um, I graduated with my bachelor's and then I got into some teaching and then I left teaching for a season and then went into group home management for adults with special needs. And um, 
I was very passionate in working with them, helping them with transitioning skills, helping them with cooking, helping them with meal prepping, helping them go grocery shopping, helping them kind of get navigate the community. So that was something that I really enjoyed doing. And then I had a moment where I kind of left that for a second and kind of just went into foster parenting myself. And I had kids um, in my home, but they, some, you know, had special needs and some didn't. And so I did that for several years. And then I went over into special education and I've been teaching that since um, 2011. Wow, that's amazing. So it sounds like you had that seed planted in you at a young age by just watching your mother and how she would um, interact with the people that came into your home. And then you really just begin to grow a passion for it. And that passion may have just very well um, curated your purpose to really work with um, people with special education and special needs. And you I could hear the passion in your voice as you talk about it and just seeing you explain, not only do you do it in a school setting, but you also do it in a church setting. And then you started to um, foster kids of your own who came into your home where you could really be that beacon of light, give them that hope and pour into them and just really love on them. So from the standpoint of someone who may not understand what special education is or may not fully understand what special needs is, can you talk about some of the negative stigmas that people with special needs face and how can we combat that? Because ignorance is bliss. And if we don't check this, then people are going to continue with their bad behavior and they may not know how it affects someone who is dealing with special needs in their daily lives. And it's, and it's not right. And it's time that, you know, the gruesomeness stop. Sure. So I will start with one of the words that I really, really um, intensely get passionate about people not using is the word mentally retarded because the individuals are not mentally retarded. And though that was a word that they used back in like the 1960s, 70s to kind of reference mentally challenged individuals and developmental, um, you know, disabled people. We don't, we've now transitioned into now looking at more as a intellectual disability, and then we have different um, disabilities. So individuals with special needs may have autism, and that spectrum can go, um, as I like to say, from California to like United Kingdom, right? It's very broad and big. So any kid can fall anywhere on the spectrum from a low um and very high needs and more, you know, severe to a very high functioning adult with um, autism and they can function in the world and do very great and dynamic things. And there are adults doing great and dynamic things. A disability intellectually doesn't mean that that individual can't do anything. It just means that they learn differently. And that's what people need to understand when it comes to individuals with special needs. It's a matter of that adult may not be able to function like you and I function every single day, but 
they can function in their own way. They can go to work. They have workshops and work centers and, um, you know, states that they can go and they, they do do jobs in schools. They function, they can, they have systems and they function to systems very well. And a lot of times we don't like to be systematic people, but for them, systems work. And so it's just a matter of people understanding their world and how they see it and not kind of saying, oh, you know, kind of laughing at that individual or teasing that individual because you don't understand how that individual learns or they don't view the world like you view it. But we need to kind of go into their world and kind of see how they see it. Right. And it's a matter of they don't have those social skills. They are kind of kept to themselves. And some, you know, some are more sociable than others. You know, some just can't regulate their emotions. Um, but we have adults who can't, regular adults who can't, you know, regulate their emotions. So, you know, it's just a matter of understanding that individual and what their needs are and meeting them in their need. And that's the bottom line to special education is really meeting that child in their need, meeting that adult in their need, or just, you know, whatever individual that you may come across. Because it, as I said, there's specific learning disabilities, there's autism, there's several categories, deaf and hard of hearing, there's blind and visually impaired. Um, so, you know, you just kind of never really know. And then you have, you know, as I said, there are kids like, for instance, I can say in the classroom setting, some kids are very functional when it comes to kind of reading, but they may comprehend a little differently and they may need more visual aids. I'm a very visual learner. So I need visual aids myself. I need you to show me how I need to do something in order for me to understand. Some kids are more auditory learners. There are adults that are auditory learners. All you need to do is hear it and then you can do it. So it's just a matter of how the brain functions. Some learn by hands and, you know, needed more hands-on support. And that's okay. Some adults need more hands-on support. So it's, it's just a matter of understanding their world versus your world and kind of seeing life from their perspective. I love how you shared that because it definitely makes sense. And I think for someone like you and I who have been exposed to that at a young age, we understand it. But someone who is on the outside looking in, if they don't try to put themselves in somebody else's shoes, then all they're doing is making assumptions. And we've all heard the saying, when you make assumptions, you make an ASS out of you and I because you are looking at the surface level versus going deeper. And one thing that I really liked about the special education program here in Texas, specifically speaking about Houston, when I was in high school ooh, 11 years ago, I think, yeah, 11 years ago, we had a program called PALS, Pair Assistant Leadership and Supervision, where we would pair up with either an elementary age student, a middle 
middle school student or a high school student who had special needs and we would go work with them for a certain period of time and it was a specific class where we went and got into their world we helped them along the way we were buddies and we were that support system that they could lean on but now fast forwarding to where we are now I heard that sometimes those kids who have special needs they no longer have a classroom for themselves because they were big on this diversity equity and inclusion push and they put them in a regular classroom with the other kids but I feel like the board of education needs to go back to the way it was because those students yes some of them can assimilate with a big classrooms whereas others cannot and they need that one-on-one -on -one attention or they need that smaller classroom setting so they don't feel overwhelmed and they don't feel the pressures because some of the kids who do not have special needs, they never even take time to really understand someone who's going through that and they poke fun at them. And then before you know it, that kid is having a breakdown, they're having an outburst or something along those lines. And the teacher is already inundated with having a classroom size with 20 plus students or more depending on what school district you're in and she doesn't have the time to focus on that kid who has special needs so that's where we need the para education um, professions to come in that's where we need some aids and etc but why does everything with the school system when it comes to special education have to be about the dollars why can't it be about the student learning at hand let's get back to the components of what education is and tackle the needs that everybody needs something different in order to be successful in life just because you have it and you're fine and dandy does not mean the next man or woman boy or girl has it so just dial it back a little bit and see what are the needs and are you meeting those needs or are you doing something to check the box to get the fundings from your shareholders and move on and dismissing the kids who really do need the extra help what would your stance be on that cecilia <laughs> Um, so that that's a challenge that um, I'm facing now um, as our district is moving more towards a least restrictive environment and that's what they consider it as and it's more of the state of Florida. Um, and I believe it's almost like a United States thing right they want kids to learn in their very least restrictive environment and what that means is they because they want them to be as inclusive as possible, it's a matter of including them into the general education classroom setting and not excluding them because we've excluded for so long. It's now time to say, hey, we can make this classroom more diversified. The teachers just need to learn how to be more accommodating and more supportive. And we can see how well this kid can be successful in a general education classroom setting. Does that work for all students? No, it doesn't. Unfortunately, one size does not fit all. And that's what I, that's my model when it comes to special education. I can't just go and say, I'm going to just buy a one size fit all shirt, put it on everybody in the classroom and expect everybody to get into that shirt. Some shirts are going to be very large. Some shirts are going to be very small on the individual. And so you're going to either have to 
cut the shirt so that it fits, you know, the very large person in a way so they can still wear the shirt. And then you're going to have to take the the large shirts that's on the smaller bodies and kind of modify it, accommodate it so that it's, you know, doesn't look like it's a big nightgown in a sense, if, if that's a better way of putting that analogy. And so when it comes to kids with special needs, it's the, the classroom teacher kind of has to learn how to take that one lesson, that one standard and kind of broaden it out to say, hey, okay, everyone needs to learn what four plus four is. I can teach four plus four in several multiple ways. As I said, one kid is going to need a kinesthetic. One kid is going to need to say, oh, I learned four plus four automatically, it's eight. Another kid needs to visually see four items and another four items and then put that together and then count to make sure it's eight. One needs to be able to draw the eight out, you know, or tactile items. So one may need extended time in order to understand what four plus four equals eight is. Another one is going to need to say, all right, I got four over here. I need a break. That's all I can do is that four. That's enough for me for today. We can come back tomorrow, figure out the next four. So it's a matter of accommodating every child in the classroom because it's not a one size fits all. And yes, some kids are going to need more support than others. And that's why the district is kind of moving that to push teachers into being more supportive for all their students. And then it's, it was more of a kind of every student succeeds, right? That's what they want. That's the act that they're pushing. Every student succeeds. So even those kids that are um, English second language learners, our ELL, um, students, they also need those very same supports. They don't have, you know, significant delays or, you know, intellectual disabilities. They just have a language barrier. So the same accommodations and supports that you would teach one with ELL or even your lower um, understanding students, it's just kind of the same support that they will give a student with special needs in the classroom. And so my stance on it, I do believe that students can be successful in that model, um, but not all not all students can be successful in that model. So, thank you for addressing that, Cecilia. And I totally agree. I would say whatever students are successful in that model, keep it for them. But whatever students you see are lagging, then consider going back to the old way it used to be and be able to have two different variations going forward. And as we begin to wind down, Cecilia, I want you to leave the listeners and the viewers with some gems that you want them to remember about special needs, intellectual disabilities, and special education as a whole. Because I our goal here is to educate, inspire, and motivate others to have a new perspective and to bring something new to the table. Because if we're not learning, then we're not growing. Sure. So um, one nugget I would definitely say, if you suspect your child has a disability or um, a significant delay in learning, please make sure you advocate for your child and get your child the support they need. Um, a lot of times parents can be more 
advocative and more productive um, by reading to your child and, you know, exposing them to early literacy in a sense, right? And so that's a matter of, you know, finding things that they can do, read signs in the house, have them understand what certain objects are and visuals, visuals, and expose them to books and materials. And that can kind of get you in a gauge of saying, oh, okay, I understand if my child, you know, needs more supports in this area or may not need more supports in this area. Advocate, advocate, advocate. Um, so if your child is in special education, it's important that you as a parent come in and attend those IEP meetings, the individual education plan, so you can speak up for your child. Your child is in elementary and they can't speak up for themselves. Your child may have significant delays and they can't speak up for themselves. They can't advocate. So you, the parent, have to be the advocator for your child. Um, as far as in um, those that don't have kids with special needs and you may see a kid or an individual with special needs in the community, be supportive. You know, go and assist. Don't sit there and laugh and bully, but be supportive. Go out and help and assist in any way possible. They may be shopping in a grocery store. I know our grocery stores here at Publix likes to employ um, individuals with special needs and say hello, greet them. They're not going to bite you in a sense, right? They are people just like you are and we are. So just make sure you're being cordial and extend grace to them, you know, and be patient, patient and kind because these are individuals just like we are. Those are beautiful tips. So if I could just summarize, advocate, be patient and kind, and do not laugh, poke fun, or make judgments, but instead go over, introduce yourself to that young man or woman, that boy or girl, and just be supportive. And if I would also chime in and add, I would say, look for nonprofit organizations that you could become a part of, ones that share interests that you like, but also highlight special special needs and over um, overlays what special education is. And a program that some of you may or may not know is Special Olympics. You could do basketball, you could do tennis, you could do jogging, swimming. There's different um, physical activities that you could do with children as well as adults who have special needs. And it's a great way to connect and bridge the gap. And I'm not sure if other states have it, but there's also another program called Reach Unlimited, which is a form of a group home where you could go volunteer and you could take your spouse, your children, and et cetera, and you could see what it's like to live in a home with someone with special special needs. So just make sure you look for those nonprofit organizations. And if you need community service and hours and you just want to, you know, be the hands and feet and support someone in your community, plug in where, where they are, meet them at their level, and then you would see how much you can learn by just taking some time out of your day and putting yourself into their world. But once again, you just heard Miss Cecilia M. White, also known as Cece here, and we unpack special needs, special education, and the overall of it. And she will definitely be back to discuss another segment. But as we want down I'm gonna let her leave you with one quote and we're gonna wrap up 
Um, oh, one quote. I would definitely just say, be the light um, and shine bright. Don't let anyone dim your light. Shine bright like a diamond. <laughs> and there you have it, listeners and viewers of Gems with Genesis Amaris Kemp. Please make sure you subscribe to the YouTube channel. Hit that notification icon so you could always plug in for amazing segments. Also subscribe to where you're listening on all pla um, podcast platforms and tap in with us because we are here to educate, inspire, and motivate. And as we close, we like to say peace, love, and lots of blessings. Have a wonderful day.